It's another Tuesday night with Scuba and the Rye. I'm Steve, aka Scuba, and of course we got Rye Guy in the house again. Rye Guy is right here, ready to speak his name and speak the game. Speak the name, speak the game. <laughs> Dropping lines of all the different entertainment stuff around the world. Oh yeah, lots of that, lots of that. Try to, at least. Alrighty, so, first things first, what we've been up to, what's going on. What has been happening? It's a lot of different things. A lot they, of strange. A lot of. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's a lot, but it's it, it's been a week. <laughs> I gotta say, it's been a week. Yeah, yeah, it's been a week. Even even being Tuesday, there's already a lot of stuff that's happened for me around the way. But I'll level all, all that aside. But there's been some fun things. Fun, some fun things. Oh, really? Some fun things. A uh, couple couple hangouts over the weekend. Um, got to see the, the, the crew, the friend crew, haven't seen them in a couple months. So we did a, uh, hangouts, drinks and Mario party. So that's always fun. Nice. Nice. And uh, definitely, uh, did some gaming, did some writing and reading and, you know, typical relaxed weekend, uh, before uh, this weekend, which will be, uh, my birthday week. Happy birthday, Rye. Happy birthday. Yes, I will be uh, some age, older, wiser, I guess. You can say that about me, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully uh, this will be a good weekend, fun weekend, and then a week off. So. A week off? Well, you're yep. taking some vacation time? Yes, I haven't taken time off in a while, so I'm looking forward to it. And especially with pretty much... A everything open i can actually venture out somewhere but other than that just uh just all the typical things that the rye guy does on his spare time hmm. what people like to call ninja mode because i'm always hiding in the shadows doing something <laughs> <laughs> just doing some adjusting on the filters last week we had a an echo going on i think it was a uh, your mic was picking up what i was saying in fact i think it's yeah looks like it's still doing that slightly well, you have a very grand voice. It's very powerful. You command it all, so it's okay. <laughs> Alrighty then. I am singing for you out there. Hopefully I don't think I don't. it's so much the echo for you. It's the echo when I talk. It picked up on your mic as well as picked up on my mic. Hey, you're 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 the grand you're the grand display, and I'm just here to help and support pom poms and all. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I've got my uh, mod view open. I just learned how to do that, which I'll get into in some of the stuff I've been up to. That's awesome. And, uh, so far, it looks like things are good. Not quite sure what to do with that. I don't want to just like kill your mic, but I think I'll I think we'll take a little bit more before I say anything on your side. It's all good. So, what have I been up to? Well, um, wow. Well, how do I put this? Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I have been working on editing. Last week, I spent some time learning how to do DaVinci a little bit better. And you'd think if you learned a program more better, you would be quicker on getting through stuff. It's not the case. I've been working on editing and learning editing and messing with that. So it's been kind of interesting with that sense. Um, I just finished editing last week's episode of the podcast. 
and just this morning and got it posted up. Uh, but with that, been doing a lot of stuff in the in on the Realmsmith chat. Uh, as, uh, there was some of the players who needed some stuff, so I started uh, kind of impromptu. I had a game session Friday night that got canceled, and I had just run a Avery-based encounter for a couple of the people on the stream on on the not on the stream, but on the Realmsmiths Discord. So I was like, hey, do you guys want to do an impromptu encounter session? Nothing too heavy. Just three random encounters and see what happens. And a bunch of people jumped in. It was great fun. Did it again Saturday before the Saturday night stream for Challenge Accepted. And again, a lot of fun. Look forward to trying to do that some more. Uh, the Saturday, Saturday night's stream started off oh so horribly in my opinion because it was tech issue after tech issue after tech issue i i saw messages coming through the discord while i was out and about saturday it's like hmm hopefully scuba's doing all right over there let me go ahead and just continue shopping <laughs> i appreciate the shopping got the tech stuff right straightened out because after last week's uh podcast learned that you could do some things to isolate various tracks in OBS. So I tried to do that. Uh, actually, sorry, Glock, don't feel bad. I actually do not have any moderators for my channels yet. So you guys mentioning that stuff is great because otherwise, looking back, reviewing the footage, looking back, only about the first 40 minutes is where we had the most problems. The bulk of the show looks is after we got everything fixed. So if anything, I should apologize to you that I didn't get to it sooner. But <laughs> so everybody who watched Saturday, I everybody who watched Saturday, I appreciate uh that you said something and i yeah the discord is grow is starting to grow i feel great but i also realize i got to completely redesign the whole thing so i can do a better blend of channels so can try to work because i want to try maybe a west marches style game within my discord channel so or within the discord server to kind of help kind of build some more gameplay type stuff make things a little more interactive so We'll go. For, we'll we'll see what we can do when we go from there. You know, technical difficulties leads to better results down the road. So, learn. You know, something to learn from, something to point out, something to improve upon. Something I learn writing every day. <laughs> yes, improving is the thing. And speaking of improvement, despite all the technical issues, we still got a couple of new follows. And we got the average view up to two. So we're only we're only a little bit away of getting an average view of three. And we've achieved all the other stuff and can go for the affiliate and then really kind of kick this in and see what kind of development we can go on. And because one of the things I'm thinking of doing is once we once once the, the channel hits affiliate status to do like a charity 24 hour stream, uh, pick a charity and have all the bits go to that charity for the day for for that 24-hour period uh some still some details to work out but i have a feeling that we're gonna get there and it i'm thinking that would be a nice thank you to the community for or 
for coming and, and, and checking us out and liking us and hanging out with us and then for helping us get to that point as a nice thank you back. All right, D&D uh, &D stuff on that. And then it was just a lot of editing and tech stuff. And that's been the most of it. I'm really trying to figure out what it is I'm doing for my day to day and I'm getting there. But I was also asked to be a moderator for the Realmsmith uh, channel. So that was a nice, uh, nice cool thing to start learning how to do. And I hate to, uh, be, I'm not, be honest, I'm going to take what I learned there and apply it to this here because, hey, here's, there's Prack app that I could carry back and forth because it's easier to learn from people who know what they're doing yeah. than it is to try and keep stumbling my way through. You know, you practice in one place and you carry it on to the other. So, like, like you, uh, and once I get done reading this book, like when I practice uh, helping you write some of these stories for your D&D games, I can lead it into other screenplays and stories that I want to write. So, you know, translation. I think that'll be really helpful. I know I'm um, looking at also, uh, that being said, let's uh, go ahead and get uh, started off on things. Uh, first off, uh, announcement-wise, got to give credit where credit's due, and thank you to the community first and foremost, because without them, I'd probably be talking into the void and wondering whether or not I go crazy. I'm already at that mood, but hey, I got people following me, so follow me to the crazy. Um, so with that, first, we're, we're going to thank uh, support from Sirenscape. Uh, check out the uh, sirenscape.com. They got they do soundboards and uh, background music, ambient music for your tabletop experience. Uh, tonight's uh, session happens to be the Strange Forest sound set from uh, one of uh, and played this Friday night and my players that night on the call felt that they had to sit there and swat at mosquitoes they kept hearing them in the background so oops anyways <laughs> so gonna shout out to them and uh go check it out there's an affiliate link uh here on the channel as well as in the show notes wherever you go also a reminder that we do this show does go up as a podcast first and foremost on all the normal places you find podcasts spotify apple music google play store also we put the this video version up on the our youtube channel at scuba studio uh so go and check those out and if regardless of how you consume this or if you consume this in multiple ways because there actually are different versions that go out so the stream is one version but it's not necessarily gonna be the same version that goes up because again working on editing skills and trying to keep things consistent as i go through each platform that being said give us a like give us a follow uh any any and all support even that it will leaps and bounds help to make things improve so there's my call to action please do we that calling out to you know, screaming the word of the scuba and right <laughs> and and with that See, I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I got this echo, so I keep shutting that mic off when I start talking. Um, <laughs> and with that, we're going to go and get into our reviews and see what's up. All righty. So I will set the stage here. We got two reviews for you tonight. Two. 
So our first one is going to be should be on the right one. Am I not on the right one? There we go. Our first one is going to be a movie called The Five Bloods. So I will let Rye take it away and tell us about this film and give us his review while I uh, check them out, check the chat and see what's up. All right. The Five Bloods is uh, the next film from Spike Lee, and it's actually a Netflix original. So it's up on Netflix. And The Five Bloods actually follows a group of Vietnam veterans um, who go back to Vietnam to go on this trip to find the remains of their lost uh, squad leader, but also... Uh, buried treasure. They buried gold during the the during the war of Vietnam and decided to come back at a later time to get it. Um, if you're if you know Spike Lee and uh, he has a big catalog of films all the way back to the '80s, he likes to do films that have uh, he likes to create candid stories that detail the struggles of the main characters, no matter what kind of struggle it is is no matter what era it is the focal point is always some kind of struggle with the main characters um in this film he kind of takes a different approach because what i called it was um he layered the structure of the film in a chapter-like fashion with genre art so each of the acts follows a different kind of feeling so the first act is a very traditional drama characterization outline you get introduced to the, the veterans Paul, David, Otis, and Melvin are the name of the veterans. So you get to see them, you get to see them return back to Vietnam, and you get to watch their interactions and see how they are so many years after the war. So they do a, a Spike Lee does a drop-in technique where you just become witness to their friendship and to the purpose of this journey. Um, doing that with the methodical pace that he goes at, it allows you to live and breathe as if you're part of the 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 characters lives and it also helps you ease into the stylized dialogue atmosphere and social commentary that spike lee is known for so the blending creates a relevancy for the audience so that feeling of being innately attached to the characters is very strong in the beginning as the story moves into the second act it uh leads into uh, an adventure style arc because they go journey into the jungle as they try to um uh, traverse all the various different um, obstacles that come with not just their age but also the jungle and some various other um, conflicts that happen along the way as they try to get to the remains and the gold. Um, the slow pacing starts to pick up in the film and then what happens is is that the dialogue starts to reveal personal flaws in the characters by combining flashbacks to current events. So as you witness these characters um, get closer to their goal, it starts to re re reveal the conflict of their friendship and the current situation. And that raw and realistic kind of feeling of their personalities actually um, mirrors a self-reflection of, uh, of your own personal choices in life. So that endearment of watching these, not only these vener veterans interact with each other, but then returning back to Vietnam reopens like old wounds that probably should have been left buried. Um, then it leads into a third act, which uh, is very indifferent to a lot of Spike Lee films because it's a very strong action set piece. And then you basically see um, these this group with a bunch of other characters just trying to fight for their lives, and the the center point being that that uh, that uh, that gold treasure. But 
Um, once it reaches the climax, it, it has a very familiar resolution, but it brings true closure to the main characters. So uh, The Five Bloods does a great job of blending characters and friendship and social commentary, but it does it in a way where it's a riveting story and raw in detail, and you get to see not only just the, the dynamic of friendship, but the dynamic of friendship over the years that is tied to the Vietnam War. So... That's my two cents, Scuba. All right. Well, it sound it sounds like it's an interesting film. Yeah, yeah. What was the final rating? Um, the final rating. Um, even though this is one of Spike Lee's best films, he doesn't necessarily beat you over the head with a lot of commentary. He just blends it with the story, and you just watch the characters flow. But I gave it a. It's a great movie. I gave it a four out of five. It would be worth seeing at the theaters at full price. But the reason I gave it a four out of five is kind of the same thing I did with The Irishman. Um, that like unlimited budget that Martin Scorsese had with The Irishman kind of reflects in the same thing with Spike Lee here. It kind of drags at certain points, so it does feel lengthy at times. But overall, it's still an enjoyable film. Four out of five. Alrighty. Uh, it's, I'm thinking I might check it out, but I've not had a lot of favorable impressions of Spike Lee's uh, films. And it's, it's, it's the style, and sometimes it's the style in which he does it. I feel it's just a little too... It's a little too much where we want to push a particular narrative or a particular, a particular message. And I like the entertainment side first, and politics last yeah, he does a good job of blending because it is a it does deal with the vietnam war so you do have some social commentary that happens at the same time but he blends it perfectly well where it makes sense for all the characters involved so it it, it does it have it puts a tail of endearment not only to the characters but also the effects of war so it, it, he does a really good job it's one of his finest films to date so Cool. I'll have to take a look at that. Alrighty, so we heard that one. And now here's one that we both watched. I just watched it today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Artemis Fowl, the latest Disney film. Now this one we talked about uh, a few, we few weeks ago. It was uh, originally slated for a theatrical release. Yeah. However, because of COVID and shuffling everything all over the place, uh, it got moved to be a, a video-on-demand release through the Disney Plus platform. Um, this is the latest film by Kenneth Branagh, who I'm a big fan of as an actor and a director because he's done some really good films and a lot of Shakespearean-themed films. This is not one of those. It is not. It, it, it is not. So... Just like before, we're going to give Rye his, uh, his soapbox and he can uh, tell us about the film and then we can debate it because I've actually seen it. So I have a little bit and yeah. So yeah, this uh, this will be the, the Scuba and Rye uh, review roundtable on this movie. So like uh, just a quick uh, just a quick tad bit, like he said, this was supposed to be theatrical release. It's on Disney Plus. So it's there. Um, Artemis Fowl is an adaptation of the book of the same name by Disney. Um, what this does, it follows a character by the name of, his name is Artemis Fowl, and what happens in the film is that um, his father gets, um, goes missing. 
So Artemis Fowl has to hatch a plan to rescue his father from the world below. And what you come to find out that uh, the human world and the furry world both live with each other. And then through his rescue um, mission, um, the human and fairy world collides. So you get to watch this young kid uh, do mastermind techniques to try to figure out how to save his father and protect the world at the same time. I'm not going to dance around the circle. This movie was terrible. Um, out of the get-go, you get the feeling that uh, Kenneth Branagh is a bright ac uh, actor, is a great director, but in this film, you can tell that his hands were tied behind his back and the studio was just like, put together a generic fantasy uh, film and hopefully it does well. It does not... Um, there's a lot of potential for greatness in the beginning. So you have a traditional... Uh, outline of fantasy tropes um that it just pushes a linear uh predictable linear story with forced exposition um you get a general creation of a sandbox world with all of this fantasy fairies and this kid with this mastermind um mastermind technique but what happens is that everything is just um generic everything is hollow everything is underdeveloped you don't really get a sense of what the what is going on um, because you're just plotting around, just making sure that this kid gets from point A to point B. How does he try to save his father? Um, how does he try to interact with the fairy world? And then when characters come and go, you really don't see a purpose for them. They're just kind of there. So it kind of just numbs the experience because there's a lot of this potential with the stylized CGI, with this uh, underworld of fairies and magic, but it just gets pushed to the wayside because there is just a sense of style over substance in this movie and basically what you get watching this is that the studio basically is trying to create a new franchise so they're plotting things in certain places with no explanation just in hopes of generating a franchise but it loses steam right from the get-go and i was turned off on this film because it was just a complete waste of time I, I don't have anything else. Go scuba. Yeah. Um, I wanted to like this film. Actually, I do like this film. I'll be honest. I do like it, but I like it in the sense that it, it, it feels kind it feels, uh, interesting as, as far as that whole, I'm going to drop you in and I'm just going to watch the events unfold. Um, I think the premise of the story could be really interesting i think the fact that it lacks a lot of substance substantive uh growth in the sense of the backstories on these characters i mean totally and then the, the the world side of it the tech thing with the whole fantasy and tech and feels very kind of happy uh, cyberpunky or happy uh shadow uh i had the word i've got the word right there shadow run that's it has that feel does have that i do sense that feel say that again in three two <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it, it had, a, it had a great feel. Definitely. You could definitely see this very more dystopian if they pushed it a certain way, but it just doesn't, I really just, it was kind of a, okay, the movie's over. 
And then I thought about the fact that it was Kenneth Branagh who directed it. And I'm a big fan of some of his, of his, some of his other work, probably more so of his Shakespearean stuff than some of the other stuff. I mean, he did also do the first Thor movie and that had its, had its flaws, but it was really well done comparatively. Artemis Fowl, it seems like they try, but it's this, this is that trifecta we talk about script, the actors, the director. This one, it felt like we had a great, a solid director, but I think it was the cast and the limitations of the script that really kind of tore this down. And I hate to say it, but I really think Disney played it smart by putting this on video on uh, Disney Plus as opposed to running it through the theater. The writings on the wall, and they were like, "Well, let's put it here and see if we can get people to watch it," which they did in my case, and I I, I feel like my soul hurt a little bit after this film because the script is just completely just so basic that it just plots in different fantasy uh, uh, fantasy archetypes and tropes that you've seen in any other film, but just not explained very well. It's just narrated in a way where it's just like this happened, so it has to go here, has to go here, has to go here. So that's my two cents. <laughs> but overall, just to give you a score, um, it's on Disney Plus. It's not worth waste your time. There's better other fantasy film choices out there, even on Disney Plus. So I gave it a one out of five. It was a mind-numbing experience. Uh, I'm probably not gonna be that harsh because again, I do actually like some of the methods they used, regardless of the, and even though there were shortfalls. So personally, I'm probably going to give it a two and a half out of five just because I may not watch it again uh, ever, but I did enjoy watching it the first go run and it just, it, it held my attention, which is something I'm very critical on films. If it doesn't hold my attention, I don't care. But this one did actually hold my attention for the time I watched. I really did wasn't like some other ones where i've tried to watch it and multitask though this one as i sat down because it was it was actually pretty good to me but not great so two and a half out of five finally final verdict on that all righty so now let's move on to state of game point where we talk about gaming and all of the things that go with that uh as usual, we're going to start off with Rye and his uh, works on video game stuff. I have not had a chance to play any video games because I've been knee-deep in uh, roleplay and, and text-based stuff and helping others. But I did download No Man's Sky for the PC, and I did download Final Fantasy IX for the PC. And I will probably spend some time on that. I did try to do Torchlight. However... Uh, have it's been so long I couldn't recover my account with uh, the publisher so yeah I got to do some work on that before I start uh, playing so throwing down some torch lakes I'm thinking I might just do my next run I do just put it on super hard and just see what happens <laughs> but uh yeah, we'll dive right in. The only I uh, decided to actually go back to play the Final Fantasy VII remake because I am near the end. So I got through Chapter Seventeen and started into Eighteen, and I am just uh, kind of nervous and excited to finish this game because it's been a wonderful journey. Um, I think up to this point, I faced one of 
at least for me, the one of the harder bosses in chapter 17. It took a lot of a lot of strategy, a lot of countering, and a lot of patience to beat this boss because you were not just fighting him, but his dog. So you had to figure out the the moves and the motives and strike at the right time. Because if you strike at the wrong time, you would go from full health to a third of health in a matter of seconds. So you had to be patient and counter correctly. So, but yep, that's really the only game I've been playing. Um, uh, I'm almost done with Final Fantasy VII, so that means that I will. This will make uh, Scuba happy. Finally, play or start Days Gone. But. Hey, that's the only game. It's enjoyable. I'm definitely looking forward to finishing it and then heading into uh, when it drops next month, Ghost of Tsushima. Some mobile games. The only thing I really play on my mobile phone is uh, Pokemon Go. And I go walking, catch them all. And um, Scrabble. For some reason, that Scrabble Go game has got me addicted on my phone. Maybe it's just I like wordplay. So, hey, I play a million matches on there all day. And forget the time. So what we got in those dice games. With some uh, new adventures to tell. Well. So yeah. As far as new adventures. Here's what's, here's what's up. So. Players wanted to do some encounters. And you know. Being someone who spends, who's spent so much time. Getting into dungeon mastering. And facilitating. And I mean I do that a lot already. I did. I. It's like, you know, let me try this. Now, the no quarter game was supposed to happen, but one of the guys wasn't feeling well, so we held off for a week and figured, and uh, figured, you know, let's, uh, let's do an impromptu session just, roll, just to do encounters because there there's a lot of new players I've seen right now, and I want to help them kind of work through their characters and build a sense of team building and fellowship kind of kind of an experience so it was hey i'll host a zoom call who wants to jump in and we run through three encounters i pulled the tables from xanathar's guide to everything and for the jungle because they've been talking about this area encounters went pretty well it was uh the party ran into some will-o'-wisps and it was the yeah we're gonna leave these alone and then they came across some dryads and realized that they weren't a threat then they came up on a cave with some gnolls in it, and half a third of the party was stealthy, the other two-thirds was not, so... But then again, the gnolls also rolled a nat 20 on their perceptions, so it didn't matter what they were going to do, they were, the gnolls knew they were there. But I didn't have to tell the players that. <laughs> so, that went good, and it, I mean, it lasted about two hours with about six or seven people. So it was like, all right, this is fun. This is facil facilitating them. Let me do something else. So Saturday, I had some time and I decided, hey, I'm going to, well, my wife got home from work just as we were about to end because we had finished the three encounters and she was kind of bummed. So I was like, well, if you want, I'll just, I'll go right now and say, hey, who wants to play? So she can get a session in because she had she had she's played less D&D &D than I have because of work schedules and, you know, life. So it's all right. So we set a time Saturday, 2 p.m. to run another random encounter session. And this one she got to jump into. I actually didn't realize how many people wanted to play until 
I started the call and within like two to three minutes, I had 12 people in the call and was like, all right, uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting this. Okay, let me lock the call now. Oops, sorry. And I ran a encounter session for 12 people. The session on Saturday went well. It was 12 people and it lasted about 90 minutes. Because again, it was just that because there wasn't a lot of story. This was strictly, the goal is strictly to have characters run through their run through how they work and to allow new players the experience as well as build a kind of a team building exercise uh you know you see a lot of team building things in the corporate world where they go and they do things like there's those puzzle rooms there's i mean you you've done several things uh team building why on um we've gone to wineries we've done like paint nights we've done you know luncheons we've done different things so yeah escape rooms is, is i've done an escape room that's fun so we did that and then um also went through and then it was like okay and we did our challenge accepted game. The guys got, th we got th two new players. Now, going back and watching the video for the, for the show, for the stream, uh, I had four people on camera, yet five people playing. And I played two characters because two people couldn't make it. The reason there was four videos and not five is the fifth person didn't have a camera feed. So I wasn't just going to have a blank kind of square on next i'm still working out that whole use zoom show them the map as well as work on the story so there's definitely a i definitely have a long li mental note list of tech things to try and work out for the next time i think i have a few things figured out but i won't know until i get there and can test for a few minutes but hopefully with uh with some of this new things I'm learning about watching mod chat and seeing the stuff going through here, I should be able to be quicker on the response as well as quicker on the response because I have chat in a better spot. I can see it to uh, react accordingly. Um, the challenge accepted went well. Now the party's at a long rest and they're going to decide what to do next. Um, not really sure how much further they're going to go through the house. I'm not going to tell them one way or the other because that's not my job. My job is to be the world. Their job is to live in it. So, people throw them dice. So, rolling the dice and seeing what's up, and I mean, there's they only explored like 25 percent of the house, so there's still the whole second floor, the whole attic, the whole rest of the first floor to explore. I mean. Or they could be like, hey, we're just going to take the spoils and take the robot we found and take it back down to the city or take it somewhere else entirely. I mean, it's completely open-ended at this point. Where do they want to go? And I have to be able to anticipate as many paths that they want to go and react accordingly. So I'm not forcing them in any particular direction because I feel it's more open-ended that way. Now, it probably makes more work for me, but... I mean, again, I feel D&D is a collaborative storytelling experience and the players are the ones that dictate the pace and the direction of the story. I get to, ha I have to, I get to handle the rest of the world and then some of those things that 
if they choose not to interact with, time will still continue to go, and we'll see what happens. But another thing that just happened is in the looking for group, uh, somebody asked about they were really wanting to do a Curse of Strahd campaign. I have Curse of Strahd. I've run Curse of Strahd. I've, I ran a, I guess you could say, probably about an 80-20 homebrew version of Curse of Strahd because we started with 3.5 edition. And when the 5th edition book came out, we were still playing. So I switched over to 5th edition midstream. Um, so that left my players a little, their world completely rocked upside down. And went through that. And now it's, okay, we want to do another run. They want to do another run. So I, me being me, I go, how can I help? That's what I do. I say, how, how can I help? So now I've got a full party wanting to plan... And planning another, uh, planning a straw run. So I may take a take a page out of some out of somebody else's book and run the uh, challenge accepted for like five, 10, 10, 12 sessions, and then switch over to straw or find another day or night week to do straw or something. But it all depends on how long I can continue to do this twenty four seven, or do I have to go find a real job? Hey, there's always um, you know, many avenues to travel many ways to go i agree wholeheartedly i agree but uh actually i actually have a couple of questions for D, D related that came in from my from my various players um and figured i'll take a few minutes and talk about that before we move into the news article stuff and all of that and actually have a discussion so you guys in the chat or you want to shout out to some people who are in other places that want to come in and beat me up with questions let's dance uh, but today's uh, question theme has to do with spellcasting and new players who are, are pl new players who are not only new to the game, but they had the crazy idea to roll a spellcaster. So now they got to try and understand how the whole spell system works in D and D. And I'd be honest, that's a little daunting if you're new to the game and trying to balance everything. In fact, I have a couple of players in challenge accepted who just hit level two and they now have access to spells and they're not quite sure how the whole spell thing works so i got some stuff oh i got lots of stuff but uh yeah so like i was saying some discussion on spell casting and magic um probably one of the fir first things people were asking was like okay how's this whole thing with the uh components uh, Spellcasting comes down to three basic parts. You have a verbal, a somatic, which is like a gesture, you know, kind of like a Naruto, you know, hand gestures thing, and then materials. And materials is something that trips up quite a few players that I've had to deal with. And I, because as a spellcaster, one of the first things you get is like in, a, in your starting equipment is a component pouch, right? So... With the component pouch, you, it's supposed to house all of your non-valuable components. Uh, if you're a fan of Critical Role and have watched Caleb, he likes to pull out the bat guano and sulfur and cast fireball. Those would technically be non-valued items. But 
uh, again, call back to Critical Role, when they used to do their big feast, or recently campaign two, they would have to, they would want to use a spell, uh, revivify or something, and it requires a diamond valued at X gold amount. I believe it's 100 gold. Anyways, but in order to cast a spell, you need that item in your inventory. You can't just, oh, I have 100 gold. Does that count? No, you need to have the physical item. Just because I have 100 gold doesn't mean I have a, hundred, a diamond worth 100 gold. Doesn't quite work that way. But again, this is as I'm interpreting the rules, and I'm pretty sure that how it's that the merit for which it's, it's written, 100 gold, thank you, um, is that's the kind of that's kind of the thing and newer players try there there's so many mechanics to work out like encumbrance and things like that newer players trying to get wrapped around okay i have these spell components am i supposed to track those yeah technically you are if you want to dive into the uh the role more of the role play side the consumed part is another big thing and pointed out is if the spell says it consumes the item, then you need to have a bag of those items if you're planning to use that spell a lot, spell a lot provided you could do the spell, and you have spell slots. Spell slots is how many times you can cast a spell per long rest. Lower levels, you get, depending on your class, you get between, you get about two or three at the early levels. Once you hit level three or four, then you start to get the second level spell slots and your first level spell slots increase. And again, it's how many times you can cast it. Like uh, my character on the Realmsmith uh, Revelry, Scoob Kenai, he's a druid. He's a third level druid. He, ha he can cast four first level spells and I believe two second level spells. So all in total, I can cast six times and then my magic is spent outside of cantrips. And maybe I can give a guidance on that because I know there's a few spellcasters I'm uh, dealing with that are relatively low level, not necessarily everybody who's fully experienced, but I want to share my experience or share my is able to assist because, you know, I'm always happy to help. Sad, sad far point in there, looking at an Eldritch Knight, the next thing we do uh, the whole verbal items or somatic elements make for a challenge with as being a fighter with holding weapons and having a free hand. Yes, because as it states, if you have to use a component, you have to be able to draw that component from your pouch. So if you're holding uh, a sword or, heaven forbid, a two-handed weapon, you're going to have problems with that. You have to think about, think through that as a... Uh, depending on how you are in the encounter. Uh, unless you are someone who takes the Warcaster feat, which gives you a little more latitude and quick reflexes for casting spells while doing melee attacks. And again, depending on your spellcaster type, whether or not you're going to... Yes, there is a feat for that. <laughs> You've heard there's an app for that. Yes, there's a feat for that. There's probably a feat for just about anything you want to try and do. But trick is finding it because there's so many choices. Uh, preparing for spells. Certain classes can prepare spells daily and they can switch out which spells they prepare. Other classes, they have to find the spell 
store the spell and can only go with that spell until they can find another one. Uh, clerics are clerics and druids are examples of ones that can look back and uh, flip their I believe druids do, but I know clerics can flip back their spells each day as long as they spend the time to prepare for them. Wizards, sorcerers, those types of things, they actually have to have the spell documented in a book and they read through that book and the only way they learn new spells is if they find that spell or try to design a spell to learn. Uh, warlocks are a whole another kettle of fish. I don't have much experience with warlocks because I've not played one. I do know I have friends that have played them. I have listened to Todd Talks talk at length about how warlocks are the coolest thing since sliced bread, especially now with the new Unearthed Arcana and bringing back psionics. So maybe I'll roll a war. Maybe I'll roll a warlock one of these days. Who knows? They're, ah, they're a little too squishy for me. I'd like to get into it. Hey, it sounds interesting to me. If it's as great as sliced bread, I might have to try one. Yeah, it's war I mean, warlocks can be interesting. You have to sign a pact with some creature deity and gives you access to spells but you only get like two things and you have to like but unlike um other spellcasters with warlocks if you take a short rest you'll get your spells back whereas most of your other spellcasters once you expend all of your slots you cannot re you cannot recharge until the next day you have to complete a long rest before you can get your slots back so it's got its ups and downs but you definitely have a lot i definitely think you have some great story elements with a warlock because you have to sign an agreement with somebody oh hexblade hexblade is a nice one um so components you want to look at finding and keeping track of sometimes it's probably just easier it's like hey i spent my components let me go buy another component pouch if you wanted to buy a component pouch on uh, most markets, it's fairly cheap because it's considered part of starting gear. Uh, and then it's, again, I think that it's more of an experience level on the player to, and again, add that. Like I I was at last night's uh, Tides of Wildmount. Bucky Yao grabs a withered stick out of his spell component and catches uses it to cast Witch Bolt. I mean, that's cool. And it adds that extra element, but so I've known I know a lot of newer players aren't going to think in those terms because they're still trying to figure out this whole concept of combat. Because combat, you have your action, your bonus action, your movement, all of those things, and you're trying to do it really quickly. And you it's an experience and it's a comfort level with the class. So as a DM, I don't really punish people too much on it, unless it's one of those things. Again, you need that valued component. And that value component has a gold value attached to it. You need to have that and you need to be sure that if the spell says it's consuming it, you have enough to cast the spell as many times as you want. Otherwise, when you make your next city or port of call, you're, that's one of the first things you're looking for is finding those items to replenish your stocks. Let's see, questions in the chat. I uh, want to do a warlock, just mix it up. Uh, it is what Ford is, minus the paladin part. Yes, Ford in uh, Critical Role did start off as a warlock and then moved into multi class into paladin. It was uh, very interesting. 
a lot like in campaign one when uh Vaxeldon had uh was going rogue 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 until finally he decided to go paladin for the raven queen <laughs> i've talked a lot there's a lot of knowledge though stuff i didn't really know now i know hopefully i can hold hold it in my mind it is it is definitely a lot but the nice thing is is if you're helping the players with find their locations in the books and at least if you have a rudimentary knowledge and because one of the worst things i hate for gameplay is getting into a rules debate in the middle of a combat rotation yeah that does sound kind of uh, uh counterintuitive but if i was playing i would just be like okay that sounds good just keep going well i also i like to part of that is i know my is getting to know my players like i know there's several people i've run encounters with that know a lot about has spent a lot of time researching the books and have been a knowledge source in a lot of times so it's the okay if i'm not i will go with what my gut instinct tells me because i subscribe to rule zero dm is god dm makes the choice not necessarily like a deity in my own right but as far as the table and the combat scenario goes dm is the one who has the final call praise be scuba <laughs> so i go with rule zero on that but on the same token if it's a okay and we have a consensus on a ruling then all right i'll go with that ruling i'm not gonna i'm not i'm never gonna be like no it's my way or the highway get the hell out no the only way i'm gonna do that if it's, it's someone just being a troll and i don't like trolls that's why i carry a torch well that is very effective against trolls. They're easy to spot when you see them running. Oh yeah, well you need the you need the you need the torch to cauterize the wounds so that the troll can't regenerate. Again, that's uh, a <laughs> monster manual stuff right there. And somebody had just mentioned about possibly doing a player character as a troll, and it's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm agreeing. That's a, that's pretty beast, especially when you get one that mutates and has like two heads and six arms and all kinds of crazy. No comment, but I'll see it when it comes. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Alrighty. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, if there's more D and D style questions, and you want to hear my two cents on D and D and how I rule and run games, uh, message me, pop them in the chat, follow me, and uh, hit me up. I'll collect questions again for next week's show, and we'll kind of go from there. And if we got time at the end, maybe I'll do some more. <laughs> alternate human yes uh good question is uh that brings up a good question i'll speak to real quickly homebrew versus uh published modules i start published and somehow they wind up all homebrew because i take the published as a starting stone starting starting point and like everything else once the players are involved you may as well just check it out the window because Unless you're really hard-nosed on the story, that story is just not going to end the way you think it will. So we always go homebrew. When I did my first Strahd run, I threw a green dragon in uh, Barovia just for kicks to uh, give a different challenge to the players because they were leveling up so fast and I really wanted to play a dragon. Uh, that dragon is uh, one of my recurring NPCs now. My 
Yeah, I really wanted to play a dragon, and I, green dragons seemed the most interesting for Barovia, so I dropped one in there. All right, that being said, I'm going to move on to our new stuff. And this will give Rai a chance to get on a soapbox again, because I've been running my mouth so much. And that's, uh, Rai, why don't you talk to us about a little announcement they made last week? Something about a PlayStation 5? Supposedly, there was a big announcement, finally. It was originally supposed to be one day, it got delayed, and then they went ahead and did, uh, Sony did a PlayStation 5 reveal last Thursday. Um, in that PlayStation 5 reveal, it was basically like a, uh, a Rolodex of the games that will be published or republished on the next-gen system. So... The first thing they pushed out out the gate, which this game just is probably never going to die, is uh, Grand Theft Auto V. So they're repurposing Grand Theft Auto V for PS5, but the kicker is, one of the kickers is, is that all PS5 owners that have this uh, enhanced version of GTA V will get GTA Online for free. So that's a plus. Um, they did a Rolodex of a lot of uh, original titles and some big names that people were hearing rumors about. Um, some of the big names that, that, that caught my eye was the Spider-Man Miles Morales game. They've been going back and forth and saying, is this a real sequel? Is this an enhancement? I'm, I don't really care. You get to play as Miles Morales, so that already gets my eye. Gran Turismo 7. That is the racer of all racing games, is Gran Turismo. So when I saw the highlights of that game, it was stupendous. Um, and then it was just a Rolodex of just amazing-looking games. Some odd ones, some unique ones. There was a game about playing as a cat called Stray. Um, and then there was a new RPG that's coming out called Project Athea that caught my eye. Uh, some of the rumored titles that did showcase there, um, Ghostwire Tokyo, which looks really creepy but fun. Um, Godfall, uh, they did showcase uh, Hitman 3. Um, uh, the remake of Demon Souls. And Resident Evil 8 Village were some of the highlights for me. Um, another big highlight, which a lot of people saw coming, was the Horizon Zero Dawn sequel, Horizon Forbidden West. So that actually prompted me to... Um, I have to go back and finish the other game, because I didn't finish it. So, yeah. And then at the end of the whole event, they went and showed the actual system. Um, there's going to be two versions, a disc and a discless version, a digital version. So you'll be able to buy... Um, one with the disc or one that's just straight digital, so you'll just download everything on the system. But there has not been a price or release date yet for the PS5. But um, from everything I've seen, I, I it, it is... Um, I have this moratorium whenever a next-gen system comes out, I wait six months. But looking at a lot of these launch titles makes me want to might move that up to when it comes out. So, your thoughts, Scuba? The Horizon Forbidden West was uh, interesting. I uh, want definitely want to catch that. I did. I have heard a little bit of buzz on this Miles Morales thing. I think a lot of people think that since Spider-Man on PlayStation Four came out so soon, relatively speaking, especially given last week we talked about the size of video games today, that some people are thinking that this isn't a full game. This is more or less a DLC on steroids. Uh, Glock 89 is asking if PlayStation 5 is going to be backwards compatible. 
they haven't confirmed or denied that, but the, the strong rumor is it's supposed to be compatible all the way back to the OG PlayStation. That is the rumor out there. That would make sense, because even uh, PlayStation 3 had the option of backwards compatible when you, with a software update, so... I think that's uh, worth uh, keeping an eye on. So we'll put that in a note for more news on that. But going back, I think the game I'm most excited about is going to be Horizon. or Because I really liked that story and that world. And I like the whole uh, mecha robotic creatures for the whole survival aspect. And it seemed like this one, we're actually going to be able to go swimming and navigate underwater, which is insanely difficult to do from a coding standpoint as opposed to standard terrestrial movement because now you literally have all three dimensions you can move in or three axes you can move in so that's that's going to be a challenge but it looks really good it looks great i kind of wish i was going playstation 5 but as much as i want to i just don't see that in my future i will uh sacrifice for, for both of us, Scuba. So I'll make sure to bring it over when I get it. So that's better than that's better than before when you were telling me that, hey, I, when are you gonna buy me? When are you gonna buy me mine? I'm like, dude, you still owe me one first, man. What's up with that? Uh, alrighty. Our next uh, news thing to talk about is San Diego Comic Con. It was canceled for the first time in its history. It was canceled due to COVID. However, they are planning an all digital experience that is going to be free to everybody to check out. That sounds pretty cool. Rye, what do you think? I think this is just another, uh, another thing in line of how things are going to start changing going into the future because, um, a lot of these uh, festivals, cons, um, group events have been postponed or canceled, but some of them have makeshifted to moving online. Um, one of the first ones to do that was um, South by Southwest when they put uh, their films on, uh, did a partnership with Amazon Prime. This is just another in line with those um, replacing that, that you, know, you know, people coming and coming to a place to do it, they're doing it online. So it won, the, the catcher is free, yes. So that will get a lot more people looking at it. Um, it opens up more interactability uh, because when you put things virtual, you'll have more interactions with the community um, because then everybody from, from every corner of the world, every age group, anybody can go in and see these um, 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 comic book uh, displays. You get to see all the different um, promotions, specials, and limited edition products that might be on display for just certain people. And hopefully you'll be able to get into that typical Hall H place where most people can't. And you might get some of those interesting tidbits that you might have had to wait for a bootleg to show up online the next day. So I think it's, it's actually a benefit and it's actually showing the changing of the times. Um, with a lot of stuff going digital, um, along with a lot of other things changing. Alrighty. So yeah, that's uh yeah. If you want to check out more, go to Comic Con at Home, the at symbol Home. Check that out or the hashtag 
Comic-Con at home, all spelled out. Uh, that'll let you know what's going on with that. It's supposed to, it's set to happen uh, that July 22nd through the 25th. So I think it'll be interesting to check that out. I think it's the first, uh, several of them have gone digital. I think one of the recent ones that I'm just never heard of until recently was GaryCon in Wisconsin. So it'd be fun to check out. Yeah, it's all these all these online cons are giving giving people that could not you know afford to travel or take the time to travel to all these things they want to do, and actually do it from the comfort of their home, or they can actually do it with a group of people and put it on a stream on the TV. So you know, make an event out of it like the Super Bowl. The end of professional sports and the and the birth of professional geek. I approve this message. Guaranteed. Geeks unite. All right. Speaking of geeky things and odd things, it is that time to start talking about odds and ends. And this time, I've got pictures for this week's stories. Oh, boy. This list is going to make me smile, especially a couple of them in here. All right. So get ready. Check it out. Here's the first thing on our list. And that is, if you are a fan of building blocks, then you're going to like this. Check it out. There is a story that uh, Rai found was a Lego and Nintendo have teamed up to launch a Super Mario themed Lego set. Kicker is if you are a Lego collector, and I do know a few, to catch all of this, you're going to probably drop a about $600 to get all of the pieces. Just the starter kit is going to run you about 100 bucks. However, what makes this unique is little Mario there is electronic. There are sensors built into the Lego system that as Mario steps on or walks past or stomps on, there's going to be those classic Mario Brothers sounds. From collecting coins, shooting fireballs, all of that. If you want to check out more, there's an actual YouTube video on the LEGO YouTube for this. I thought it was really cute. I don't see it again a lot of replayability. And given how I think most of this cost is related just to, to cover the electronics. Because all you really need is Mario, the starter set, and maybe one or two of the other expansions and it'll last the kid uh, uh, an average child's attention span and then get stuck in a drawer for the rest of its existence but this is uh this is how we kick off odds and ends things that are really weird that we find on the internet right uh yeah this this lego uh collection does uh does have a wide range of appeal and it does have add-ons and continuations um, one thing they pointed out here is uh, which adds the new uh, like electronic characters at $10 a pop. There's Bar Mario, Propel Mario, Cat Mario, Builder Mario, and probably more to come down the road. Um, and then finally, as a quote, there's a set of blind bag figurines that include one of 10 random fi figures at $5 a piece. Characters like Paragoomba, Fuzzy, Spinny, Buzzy Beetle, Bullet Bill, and various other Mario characters that you have seen throughout the years in the games. Articles on Kotaku. So if you want to check it out, there you go. 
Alrighty, and our next story is... Here's the latest trend in women's fashion. How about a pair of boots with a Pokeball for the heel? What? Hey, I'd get a pair, but we all know why. I'm Rye Guy. So yeah, this is another one. This latest fashion item that is uh, set to come out. These boots... Now, the nice thing about these boots compared to other gamed thing inspired clothing these are actually going to be affordable uh most of the average time you're probably going to be looking at about 250 dollars for these unique and stylish collectible items uh this pair of shoes is slated to be about 28 dollars us These shoes look pretty affordable. Um, they will be uh, in the Zara Zara stores. So uh, I've been in a few of those stores. They're pretty big, but yeah, it's kind of fun, unique, and interesting how they can always take a game property and make it somewhat fashionable for people that are probably never heard or played the game. So hey, expand the market, expand your uh, audience, and if this is a way to do it. Um, I say go for it. Um, the article's on Kotaku, people. Uh, definitely go get a pair of shoes if you want them. $28. Yeah, see, I I just don't know how functional they are. They look, I mean, I don't see them being really kind of functional, especially when you got the, got the thing right there, like the Pokeballs, you might break one or something else. Who knows? It all depends on how that Pokeball is uh, actually created. But then again, you, you're probably right. You, you've been the wrong way, Chips, and then you can't walk straight anymore. Not like most heels are made of the most durable stuff anyway, especially when you get to get to a certain point. I understand. I understand, people. I understand. Oh, look at that. Isn't that cute? Guess what? An Australian veterinary clinic found a rare golden possum. Coincidentally, they're calling it Pikachu. Just look at that picture, people. Don't you want your real life Pikachu? Oh, I do. I do. Um, I definitely want one, but we don't know how dangerous it can be. But hey, it's down in Australia. It's far enough for me. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, this is a, a bushtail golden possum <laughs> because of the yellow coat. I mean, it looks kind of cool, but, you know, these are some things you see. And uh, Australia, I mean, it is to a go visit that. I'd love to go visit that place. However, uh, yeah. I think it's cool though. I mean, you see things like this, especially lately when we have all this negativity going on. Let's let, let's let's counteract in the negativity with a little bit of cute. And uh, this on the article boardpanda.com, it was uh, founded. Uh, they found this possum, um, Dr. Stephen uh, Reinches from the Foreign Veterinary Clinic and Hospital, is the one that discovered this uh possum and quote it was a long it was a time long ago now but it seems her image will forever live online quote 
you want to go check it out, go down under in the land known as Australia. But outside of this golden possum, I'm pretty sure you can find a lot more weirder animals down there. And a lot more poisonous ones, too. So, hey, test your luck. It is warm down there. So. Yeah. It's on my bucket list to go visit regardless. All hey, right. We can make a trip. I got family there. So, let's go. All right, now here's to our last one. And, Ra, you're, you might appreciate this because, you know, you've had to cancel going to see a few concerts because, again, COVID locks everything down. So you can never I go am sad. I am sad from some of those. I, I, I can't talk about it. What if I could tell you there is a way to attend a concert again? Oh, really? How, how so? You just need to put on a big plastic ball and go to a concert. All right, so uh, take it away, Scuba. Where can um, where can we go and see uh, the Flaming Lips uh, in malls? All right, so yeah, the Flaming Lips performed inside of giant bubbles on uh, a Colbert sh on a Colbert show and concert. Uh, at first, it was something that the lead singer was doing, and then for this, they managed to find those inflatable plastic balls for everyone on the on the band and then to take it a step further they had one for everybody who was in the audience because you know if there's anything for issues with social distancing it's going to a concert or a sporting event well with this uh looks like they can, <laughs> um go ahead and do that and Maintain the social distance and hear a rock, hear a concert. I'm not familiar with the uh, Flaming Lips. Probably an alternative band, I think. I've never heard of them, right? Yeah, they're an they're indie alternative band. Um, they do tour a lot on the smaller venues. So this actually gives them a good way to go to the smaller venues like the Norba, you know, because when you go into those places, you're jam packed, you know, jamming and mosh pitting and you know, singing along. So, hey, you can mosh pit safely with these uh, plastic balls while you're screaming in silence because nobody probably can hear you. But, hey, it works. You're safe. You can see your band on the stage. So check out this article. It's on Consequence of Sound. Alrighty, and with that, we have covered all of our articles. We have covered all of our news stories. Well, alrighty, guys. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us and checking out what's going on. Uh, thank you. Giving us some support and some love. But uh, we're going to go ahead and call it for the night tonight. Uh, as sure as the community grows, we'll be spending more time here at the end of the show to kind of just chit-chat. I uh, do want to remind everybody that Challenge Accepted is slated for this Saturday, 8 p.m. here on the uh, Twitch channel. And uh, reach out to us through all our various uh, social medias and uh, other things like that, which you can find all right here. Oh, wow, the chat window is full of stuff today. Awesome. Sorry, I had to geek out for a minute. You know, this feels good. Doesn't it feel good? Seeing all that in there? I like it. I like it. We have the community with you guys. Alrighty, y'all. Thank you for hanging out with us. Have a great night. Love each other. Oh, a new follow. 
Thank, Thank you. you. Activity feed. Activity feed. Uh, Nerdenberg. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you again. Love each other. Stay safe. Stay out of trouble. Stay smart. And we will see you on the next one. Peace.